Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Citizen sleuths are focusing on the brutal slayings of four college kids. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. This is the start of something major. Follows online detectives as they unravel the mystery of the infamous Idaho college murders. There's plenty of places to hide a weapon. And turned it into a social media phenomenon. Where are the roommates? This is a huge night. the truth from you. Hashtag cyber sleuths. The Idaho murders now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's your... Producer Jordan, you're you're right here. I saw you just a second ago. <laughs> hey, that's Bud Elliott. That's Danny Cannell. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at youtube.com slash cover three and all across the 24-7 Sports Facebook Network. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash that like. Come and join us in the chat this Wednesday here, May 3rd. We are going to have one more look back, but also a look forward Coming off the wake of the NFL draft this past weekend, we're not breaking down the picks. We're not sharing our takeaways. We are looking ahead to the 2023 college football season. Of the first rounders that just went, who are some of the next players up? Uh, We are going to sort of pave that path as we continue to spin things forward in the college football season. Uh, We've got a notable wide receiver, late entry into the transfer portal that could make things very, very interesting. But we begin... With some news from the week, which is that the college football playoff has announced, because we only have two years, that they have guaranteed a 12-team format. But for two years, the 2024 season, the 2025 season, we've got dates. We know exactly when and where some of these college football playoff uh, games are going to be in the expanded 12-team format. So... We'll begin uh, just with the the general, like right off the bat, we've got a first round on campus confirmed. That is, in my opinion, great. In 2024, that will be December 20th, one game on Friday evening. Then there will be three games in three different slates, a early afternoon, late afternoon, and evening on Saturday, December 21st. For those trying to keep track of the, the schedule in your mind, that is a traditional like opening weekend of bowl season type uh, date on the calendar. So you're already used to being locked in, except instead of the Jimmy Kimmel Los Angeles Bowl, it's going to be a college football playoff game with entry into the quarterfinals. The quarterfinals, they will be on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. One game on New Year's Eve that will be the Fiesta Bowl in 2024. Three games on New Year's Day, Chick-fil-A Bowl in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl in the early afternoon. Rose Bowl in the late afternoon, Sugar Bowl as the primetime game. Then, and this is a point that I know that we discussed. I hope it was on air, but if not, at least we get some resolution. 
Tuesday, Wednesday? Nah, Thursday and Friday. The semifinals, Thursday night, January 9th, that will be at the Orange Bowl. Friday, January 10th, that will be at the Cotton Bowl. Then the National Championship, January 20th. So seven to 10 days later than we would have had for the National Championship. Uh, Just sort of initial thoughts on what we have, again, a Friday and a Saturday for the first round. Um, a, A Tuesday and Wednesday for the quarterfinals. But again, it's New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. Thursday and Friday for the semifinals, and then uh, the classic Monday national championship game. What do we make of the college football playoff 12-team schedule? I I don't seem to mind it that much. I mean, it's a lot of football. I understand you have to, not have to, but are, are choosing to seed to the NFL uh, on that second weekend a little bit. But, I mean, you're if you're telling me that I get to watch high-level college football Thursday, Friday, I get NFL wild card weekend, Saturday, Sunday, and then I get more really high level college football on Monday. I mean, dude, sign me up. Uh, I, you just really happy about this? Urologist, because that's going to be a great weekend for them to do vasectomies. So normally we just have March, <laughs> March Madness is like, like the most popular weekend, and then like the, the Masters and whatnot. Like, this is that's going to be an extremely popular weekend right there to do it. So, uh, man, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I, I don't hate it. I know people will find things to complain about. Danny, do you, do you hate it? No, I love it. So I, I, what you just said is the thing I've noticed. People that pushed back against expansion or 12-team playoff are just going to complain, right? They're going to, ah, I can't believe this is what's going to happen. You know, what? Like, they're just going to find something to complain about. Um, I love it because... One, you you protect Army Navy, still standalone. Like I like that. I think it's a rivalry that matters. You still have that week in between. And if we are worried about player safety, that extra week for a team, you know, coming off a championship game or not, it just gives them an extra time to recover their bodies to get back to full speed. And I think it leads to better football on the field. Um, and I, I think there was really some confusion because in Ross Dellinger's early report, like the first one that came out. It said, you know, they're they're looking at midweek. And I interpreted that as Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. You know, Tuesday, Wednesday was kind of midweek in my mind. I'm like, wait a second. Is that possibly going to be it? I think there was some confusion on that. People were really upset. Well, if New Year's Eve and New Year's Day are midweek, who cares? That's a college football right. holiday. So, like, that that's not a big deal. And then the Thursday, Friday... Like, what else do you want to do? Do you want to put it against the NFL wild card weekend? No. Like, that would devastate the ratings. And just if you're a sports fan, like what Bud said, you were going to have four days wall-to-wall of incredible football, both college and NFL. So I think it's perfect. And then you know, the last thing is I get people that would say, can we just play our championship game on Saturday? Mm. What? like. I get that complaint, but again, it goes back to the NFL. Like, do you want to go up against them? And I would say no. Like, I want to be able to take it all in. I mean, that's been a kind of idealist, you know, old school line of thinking, which I I appreciate. If it was feasible, if we could choose, yeah, I'd love to have it on a Saturday. But it's not. It's on a Monday, and it's been that way, you know, for a long time. So why are we complaining about it? It's worked out fine, and I think it will continue to do so. Yeah, Monday championship game, not only in college football, but also in college basketball has been going on for decades, right? Yeah. And I, I, I don't have the exact like stats to back that up, but all of my memories of watching national championship games in college football and college basketball have been Monday night title games. If you want to preserve that, 
then I definitely understand. And maybe that was with the NFL in mind off the jump. The thing that stands out to me, and it didn't click until I, I started to think about the, whether it was Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, Friday, because I, th- I said, if I was in the room, I would look at all of the semifinals that we've had. And this year was the anomaly because most of them have been bad games. Like if you were going to take any part of this playoff and not bury it, but put it in a less than ideal time slot, then maybe it is these semifinals based on the way we've had it. I think the quarterfinals around New Year's Eve and New Year's Day is genius because that's what people are excited about. Like that is going to be the fans that are coming into this and really fired up about a college football playoff, about a bracket that they can look at, about the idea of upsets. The quarterfinals are going to be the most exciting round of this. On campus, you know, first round is going to be great, but we're not going to have the top four ranked conference champions. Then we get the winners from the on-campus week. We get them in. The fact that they are going to take the quarterfinals, sort of my prediction from seeing all of this come together, especially with the way that they've laid out the schedule, is that when you put those four games, the the one game on Friday, the triple header on, uh, not Friday, but the one game on New Year's Eve, the triple header on New Year's Day, or however they end up breaking it up, the most exciting part of the 12-team playoff I think is going to be the quarterfinals just because it's going to be our the closest thing that we get to the opening weekend of the NCAA tournament. And people talk about the opening weekend of the NCAA tournament like it's one of the greatest sports events in American sports. And so I think that it was a smart move in all the different ways that they could lay out the calendar that they said, okay, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, this that's a college football time. What is going to be the best product that we can put out there? And it's going to be that quarterfinals round. So I'm I'm fired up looking at it right now. One thing that I think is going to be awkward the first weekend, which I think is going to be insane. A couple things about the first weekend. One, December 20th, 21st, getting late. It's getting cold. What are those teams that potentially do have a home game? Do they choose to play if it's a Big Ten team? Do they choose to play it at their home stadium or do they want to go to one of the indoor venues? That option has been put forth. They can choose to go inside which would go against everything that every Big Ten fan has you know, cried about and complained about to the SEC saying, you guys never play in cold weather. You never come up here. And then you could have that opportunity, but you'd want to play it indoors. That, to me, would be a really awkward situation. I hope that I hope the teams select, hey, I want to play at our home crowd. Like, let's get our crowd there. Let's use the weather to our advantage. The other thing is during that, you know, December 20th, 21st, is the – Idaho Potato Bowl and the Boca Raton Bowl, are those going on at the same time? You know, like, because that is when those early bowls take place, they're going to get buried. You know, I mean, maybe, maybe they're lead in games. Maybe it's, but that, that to me is still, and we see it now in the 14 playoff, we see other games taking place the same day. I don't love that optically because I think it takes away from the big ones. I guess those will kind of be like undercard fights, I guess. But those were just a couple of the dynamics of the first round I thought were interesting. Well, let's so to to follow up on that on Saturday, there's no other windows. They're gonna have a 12, they're gonna have a four, and they're gonna have an eight. Right. You, the the only thing that they're gonna do, and I I believe that you know ESPN still has all the rights here, and ESPN has the rights to all those bowl games. Like, are they are they really gonna throw one of them on ESPN too? Like, are they are they gonna try? Aren't they gonna want to try to have some sort of mega cast opportunities? That's an an interesting thought in terms of you know what happens to that opening weekend of bowl games is is it lost at this point 
that's that's something that those uh those bowl games and obviously the ESPN what's that other arm that they've called? So it was like ESPN events, right? Danny, yeah. you okay, right? It, yeah. It's yeah. another company that owns the bowls, but and you know what they might do is just move those, you know, a couple days earlier. So then you own the whole, you know, you're talking about owning the calendar. They love owning bowl season. Just move it to another date, two or three days. Not that big of a deal. I, I do see some chatter in the chat. Uh, Dark Jane has said, I, I don't want to stay up till 11 when I have to be up at 445 in the morning to watch the Natty. And, and to that, I would say, I mean, we, we had the late game in softball last night, right? Uh, went to the bar that sponsors us afterwards. What, uh, what time does NBA playoff games end? Do, do we think it's hurting the ratings for that? Like, if you love college football, you can stay up till 11 o'clock to watch the national championship game and be a little bit tired at work on Tuesday. I, I don't think I don't think the Monday aspect is really killing the ratings on this that that bad, personally. Um, also, what about West Coast fans, right? Like, you know, on, on, if you're going to have it on a Monday, you need to have it a little bit later on a Monday because people actually – People actually are at work, and most of us can't dip out on a Monday at work and and and, and take a half day. I would think so. I don't know. It's just kind of there's there's point counterpoint you got to deal with. But do you think we're going to have uh, Big Ten teams want to go home field in inclement weather? I, this is the one thing I, I will say. Like the days to me does that, that doesn't really matter. I do think that you need to play those early games in your home field, right? Like. That is, we talk about like what makes college football college. Mm-hmm. And we get a lot of this, this misleading narrative like, hey, oh, well, if, if they become employees, they could be cut. Well, Dion's cutting like, you know, 80% of his roster. Like that, that, that stuff is kind of straw man nonsense. I do think the pageantry of it, the ability to showcase, you know, your stadium, right? And have that experience on, on the campus to which you have a connection, right? People didn't go to school at the Meadowlands, people didn't go to school with the New York Jets or the Giants, right? Now, they may have grown up going to some of these games with their families and whatnot, but their traditions are not quite the same as what we have in college. Like, that's the stuff I worry about losing. Is Chip okay or is he frozen? Is he really, really scared? (laughs) Danny, are you seeing this? (laughs) Chip. You caught me for a second because I didn't know if he was frozen or not. Blink if you're safe. I I think Chip might be. Or he's got a really good poker face. (laughs) We we should like rank top five things we think Chip Chip just saw. All right. Did Jordan upload the wrong clip in the private chat? No. All right. (laughs) So, I I mean, look, I want to go to Madison and have them do jump around during a playoff game. If Penn State gets a playoff game, you bet your ass they're whiting that thing out, right? I mean, that's automatic whiteout protocol, I think, if you're Penn State. If Washington makes it, like I want to see ESPN's cameras fly the drones over all the sailgating, you know, like like just the stuff that makes this sport unique and not homogenized is the stuff that I'm worried about protecting. Um, and I, I think one games. of the things I think one of the things, Bud, that they're you know potentially worried about. I mean, most NFL stadiums are used to playing December, January, even, and they've got the infrastructure of like heated fields, you know, where the where you don't get the frozen tundra, which was an issue uh, back in Green Bay back in the day when you had these freezing cold atmospheres, and it was really almost like a block of ice that you were playing on. So I think that's probably. But you know what I would say to that. Why don't you start prepping? Why don't you put in a heated field if you're Michigan, you know, Ohio State, yeah. Wisconsin, all these teams? Because you've got all this money. We're always looking for ways to spend it. I would go ahead and get out in front of that one so that you don't have to. And you have you got a year and a half, two years, you know, you got plenty of time 
to get that infrastructure put in there, I would say, hey, get out in front of it. And like I, you know, I, I to me, I was I was genuinely like kind of shocked at the even thought of, hey, let's put this at a neutral site. You know, Indianapolis was even proposed, Detroit for Michigan. I think you'd be crazy. I think if you were the athletic director or the school president or whoever was in charge of making this decision, I would guess you'd see your fans revolt. Like, what are we doing? We want to come see a game there. Now, travel, I think, was something that's easier to travel to bigger cities. But I'd be genuinely curious. I think the fans would say, we want to, we want to go. We don't care. We'll sit outside in the cold. We want it. We want to experience that and have that to our advantage. I, I tend to agree with you there. I, the only thing that doesn't shock me about this, the fact that they're even considering it, is look at all the control the Bulls had and the people who run the Bulls had over the sport for a long time. Now, we're, we're having the Fiesta Summit this week as opposed to what they used to call it, which was the Fiesta Frolic, because obviously if you read Dan Wetzel's book, we, we, we saw what kind of went on at the Fiesta Frolic. Um, so the people that are connected to these neutral sites are in many cases the same people that run a lot of these big time bowls and they may just be throwing big time money around you know so uh, i don't know it doesn't shock me but it does disappoint me right a little bit Mm -hmm. um you know it does shock me though is that unnecessary roughness the barstool college ball pod Mm -hmm. like Jack McIntyre and Brennan Walker and the crew, by the way, welcome back, Casey, uh, from, from attorney leave. They, they think they can take us. Like, this yeah. is kind of a, do we have this clip, Jordan? I, I'm, hmm. yeah. what, what was the, uh, the Danny Cannell, we're fighting Danny Cannell's, was it Oh, uh, no, he was just asking, like, could we fight other like college football fight. podcasts? Yeah. And we're, who we, like, who am I Well, we're going to fight them. Um, What's his name? Uh, the guy that goes on Fornelli. You would fight You, Fornelli. you got Fornelli, yeah. yeah. I think I, Katie and I were texting about this. Like, I think, I mean, you're, you have the size, right? Yeah. I think Katie and I would, would do some damage for our podcast. Well, no, no we Casey actually you. does boxing. So yeah, yeah no, I, I, think, I think we'd be fine. And uh, I have mom strength now. That's a thing. So I'm taking out, I forgot who I was taking out, whether it's Bud or Danny. I'm taking out one of them. I think them. you get win. Danny, I got Bud. Yeah, and then he's yeah. thick. We're good. Yeah, we're, we would win. We're good. I know we, we've got well, the, I know we've got the female. And that chip dude, he's a delicate looking thing. Uh, you know, one of y'all can take care of him. I mean, Katie could probably beat all of our asses by herself. I've never met him. I'm sure he's a great guy. Yeah, I don't know anything about Chip. Um, people. <laughs> I mean, it, this would be May- Mayweather McGregor, right? Yeah, this would be like huge. You'd have all the stoolies betting, betting on, on, on McGregor and, and like all, all the people who know, know, and, and they, they make a killing on cover three. Yeah. Casey brought up the mom strength. She's a new mom. There is definitely something real to that. Like you don't want to yeah. mess with mama bear. I'd probably like Fornelli to take on that matchup. Katie's um, dad has some length, dude. I, yeah. I, like, no, I, she I, is. I don't think I've ever seen her on camera. Like I didn't realize she was that tall. So, oh I, yeah, she's tall. I met her at the army Navy game. She is tall. Um, I may or may not have thrown chip under the bus a little bit when we were on there. Like I did. Cause they asked me this question. I was like, Oh, we could take you guys. And we were going, everybody's like, you know, stats were saying, all right. And I felt really good about my matchup. I felt good about your matchup. I felt good about Tom's matchup. And I said, chip may be a toss up. Like I'm a little concerned with how that one could go down, but if we get three out of four, like we're still good there. Right. And now we can throw chip under the bus since he's having technical difficulties. We can just go ahead and continue to do it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, gosh, that, that is fantastic. Also, I mean, 
if Walker wants to play home run derby with Pate, I I think we're in. Oh yeah, I mean you play, we we definitely need to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I I think that would be good. Yeah, we we should do that this summer. Um, Absolutely. All right, Chip's still having technical difficulties. Couple portal stuff I wanted to talk about real quick. Uh, Gums, the tight end transfer from North Texas, who was committed to Arkansas, has backed out. Like, there's not a whole lot of guys in this spring portal window that I think you have to really monitor and, and pay attention to as far as impact guys. But he he's a really really productive tight end who catches the ball well. So I think that's kind of a loss for Arkansas. Um, I don't know where he's going to go. I saw some chatter in the comment section of the story that Chris Hummer wrote in Breaking the News about Cal. So I don't know what is going on there. The other guy I want to talk about here is Zakari Franklin. Um, This is a guy that I bet on all the time last year in College Daily Fantasy. And just a dude who is extremely productive for UTSA. I I think Frank Harris is a damn good quarterback, man, at UTSA. and, And they're really fortunate to have him back. But... I think Sakari Franklin and Keon Coleman are the two receivers in the portal that are legitimate, potentially difference makers, right? And this is something to monitor there. And it sucks for UTSA to lose him, but I don't know, man, not a lot of great stuff in the portal right now. This is something to, to definitely to keep looking at. For sure. Zakari Franklin, I saw him a bunch, you know, doing the CBS Sports uh, Network stuff last year. We just, you know, get a lot of UTSA games. He was an absolute stud. What did you make of... Um, the, the TJ Finley entering the portal as a graduate transfer and the potential Casey Thompson seen on Auburn's campus, you know, uh, stuff that was happening. So, I mean, TJ Finley, I, I hope he can find a spot that fits his his talents and, and his experience level. And, you know, Casey Thompson, we talked about this a little bit on the Monday show. Of like, if you're Auburn, would you rather have Casey Thompson or Peyton Thorne? And I think we were like, okay, if Thompson can stay healthy, I think for that offense, you'd rather have Thompson, but can he stay healthy? Like he's perpetually dinged up. Uh, I, I think Auburn would like to add someone, you know, and I, it's interesting to me that Florida doesn't seem to be pursuing a quarterback. So I, I didn't hate Mertz in that game quite as much as everybody else did. I, I'm a little more skeptical of the Gators offensive line, Uh and I, I thought that was kind of one of the causes of the problems there. So, I mean, for Auburn to go and, and get get Casey Thompson, if he does go there, I, I mean, what's the downside? Like, you, you get him and Robbie Ashford to compete, the chances are you get some kind of decent quarterback play. I think they've done a nice job. Like, Danny, I, I think Auburn really hit their their offensive line transfer portal stuff on the nose. Like, that, that's hard to do through the portal. And I think Auburn did, I mean, probably as good as anybody overall. Um Oh, the other thing to note here, we talked about all last season that Ohio State did not like their backup offensive tackle situation, right? And we, we, we were pretty much tipped to this. Like, we're probably going to need to take at least one and maybe two offensive tackles in the portal. I know we had said that quite a bit. Well, they beat out a number of other top schools for, and I'm going to blank on the kid's name because I didn't have it in the notes because I didn't know Chip was going to leave. But uh, they, they got San Diego State's offensive tackle. So... There's one for the Buckeyes, and that's a that's a pretty good win. That's just a hard spot to get elite players at. Uh, there were 15 tackles taken in the last draft. 14 were not transfers. The only one who was a transfer uh, came, I believe, from uh, from Tennessee to Oklahoma, and that's because Tennessee narked on Jeremy Pruitt to try to avoid paying his buyout. So that's not a normal situation. 
you know, et, et cetera. So. All right, let's uh, let's see if we can get Chip figured out. If not, we'll be back. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll hit on the replacements because we lost a lot of talent in the NFL draft. A lot of schools did. Who's going to replace those guys that are gone? We'll look at it next. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must Listen, download, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. All right, welcome back. Uh, so, Bud, we had, let's start with the obvious ones, because right at the top, we had three quarterbacks taken in the first four picks in the NFL draft. Obviously, those are going to be tough players to replace, but at some of these schools, you're used to it. Alabama used to having a first-round talent and just plug them in, and you go. Same thing with Ohio State. Florida, not so much, trying to place Anthony Richardson. But all that being said, is it safe to say that the biggest concern and the biggest potential drop-off and the biggest you know challenge to replace is going to be Bryce Young in Alabama, especially considering what we know now after a spring practice, which was not received with rave reviews so much, in fact, that they're going to the portal to bring in you know their, their potential starter? I, Denny, I think so. I mean, the... I know Richardson went high for Florida, and it's fair to bring him up. And obviously, none of us are in love with the Mertz take. But if you think about this, Bama still has goals. I don't know how much longer Nick Saban has to coach, but I, I don't think he's coaching another 15 years, right? And, and and 10 would honestly surprise me at that point. Florida's trying to like make a bowl game, win enough games to where Napier doesn't get fired and actually has a chance to develop the really good recruiting class that he just brought in. So... With Bryce, I mean, losing him is a big deal. Uh, the for for him to go where he went, and for for Carolina to trade that much, and sounds like like the Texans liked him an awful lot too. That's a that's a stud. And one thing we didn't talk about that maybe we should have, and maybe we danced around it. Have you thought about the timelines of when Hartman got recruited to Notre Dame? Oh yeah, dude, it so, was before. He, he yes. thought he was going with Tommy Reese, right? I mean, that, Tommy that Reese, to me is a... Tommy Reese was recruiting him for six weeks to go to Notre Dame before he went to Alabama. So clearly, Tommy Reese was not sold on Tyler Buckner. He went out and got Tyler Buckner's replacement from Notre Dame or from, from Wake Forest and Sam Hartman. Clearly, like Wake, Sam Hartman is not going to come to the Irish unless you tell him, like, hey, this Buckner kid can't play, or not, not great at least, not right now and we need you to come play. Then Reese goes to Alabama, goes through spring, and apparently sees enough of the dudes in spring that he's like, yeah, the guy that I just had to bring in a replacement for at the former school is the dude for here. Like that, 
that timeline, if you actually walk it out, is concerning because he did not go to Alabama until a month after Hartman was on campus. I totally agree with you. I, that's why I think this is the most concerning easily out of all three of these. You're And considering what Bryce Young did the last two years, bailing him out of so many games, you know, keep either winning them or keeping them close. And he was really the savior and I think masked a lot of problems that you could potentially see come to the forefront this year if the quarterback play isn't as, as stellar as it was with Bryce Young. The Anthony Rich thing is interesting because I think this one – is probably, I don't want to say the least concerning because with Kyle McCord replacing C.J. Stroud, there's a ton of talent around him, but we haven't seen him at all. But it's not like you lost somebody. Like, they were still 6-6, six and six, you know, while he was playing as the starter. Like, it's not like you lost this elite-level play. You lost an elite talent. But I think you could actually potentially get more stable play without the upside. Now, that's both good news and bad news. And I'm with you on the spring game there were nine sacks. I mean, so like if you're Graham Mertz, like what more do you want him to do if he's out there running for his life? I think the more concerning situation and what you would be looking at saying, all right, how do we fix this offensive line? Give Graham Mertz time. And it also might be a sign that your defense is really good. Like, you know, like there could be something going on there. So I, Graham Mertz has an opportunity. I know we've been hard on him and a lot of people have speculated what is Florida going to do, but I don't know if it's that concerning from a win-loss standpoint. I think that's – yeah, because, like, the production they got out of, out of Richardson was not that great. But in the games in which he did play well, like, they – in some cases, they won because of him. Like, they won the Utah right. game because of AR, right? Like they, He still had a couple turnovers, you know? Like, he still yeah, was not true. perfect, you know? Like, that's the thing I think that's interesting about it. They – uh one of his best games, I thought, was Tennessee, but they ended yeah. up losing because Tennessee just scored a million points on on the Gators' defense. And I, I thought he played pretty well until he got dinged in, in Tallahassee. Actually, like that first half, he looked really on point. So mm-hmm. um, it's hard to to put a number on just how big the loss is. I, with with Str- losing Stroud is the one I think you feel the most confident in because of the schedule, because of the track record of quarterback development. And because the receivers you get to throw to. I mean, we think it'll be Kyle McCord. Devin Brown, if he's healthy, maybe challenges for it. I assume it's McCord. I have a hard time thinking he doesn't play well. Other guys have transferred out because they couldn't beat out McCord to be the backup, which is also generally a a signal. Like one of the reasons we feel so damn good about Nussmeyer is that Walker Howard was at LSU for one year and looked around and said, oh, I, I, don't, I, I don't measure up to Nussmeyer. So I'm going to go to Ole Miss. I think there's some signal in the guys that transfer out, right? Do you feel the best about Ohio State? I do, but I also think it could be the biggest impact of these situations. Like, I think Ohio State is a national title contender, and it's going to be like, I would not put Florida in that category, clearly. Alabama, I would. Um, So I'd put Alabama first, then I would put this Ohio State situation, then I would put Florida. Uh, As far as like the impact that these replacements could have, if Kyle Moore, if Kyle McCord plays the same way CJ Stroud is, I mean, I, they're in the playoff and they might, you know, potentially be better, uh, which is kind of insane to say. Cause I mean, their, their roster, I picked Ohio State to win the national championship last year because it was stacked and it's not, they're not losing that much. Right. They're, and they're going to replace it with top tier talent. So like Kyle McCord coming in, if he can just, 
you know, like it's that cliche we hear all the time, like you're going to get the keys to the Bentley. Just don't drive it off the highway. If he can kind of do that early on and then when they have to play against Michigan in a Big Ten title game, if he's kind of and same way C.J. Stroud, like C.J. Stroud struggled early, you know, in his first game against Minnesota. But like once it was OK, like he settled in. I think that'll be the same thing with Kyle McCord and like they're going to go as far as he can take him. If he's elite, which he'll put up good numbers. That's the thing, bud. Like, but how does he do against the better opponents is the biggest question. I, I think that's fair. I, I kind of wonder if Ohio State's defense doesn't make a big jump this year. They had a lot of young guys that are now draft eligible and, and second year with a new DC. I, I could see Ohio State's defense being more salty than, than people have realized there. Um, all right. So... You had a couple you wanted to bring up here, and I know you have to solo host the radio show here. So yeah. let's let's get to yours first. All right. So I'll start with uh, our producer Jordan's Tennessee Vols replacing Jalen Hyatt. And so here's where I here's the line of thinking along that. Like Cedric Tillman was phenomenal two years ago. Then they lose him. There's no they have somebody else steps up to fill that void. Void. It's Jalen Hyatt. He has an incredible you know season with an offense that wants to play. The way that they do, you know, you need somebody that is that has that big play capability that can, you know, pop the top off the defense that can get you yards after the catch as well, but can really be that complete receiver. And I think that'll be a big like determination of how how good Tennessee is going to be this year. Like, can they go right back to where they were and challenge, you know, for the SEC East and right under Georgia? Could they potentially, you know, they've got ten, uh, Georgia coming to the uh, to Knoxville next year. And I think it'll be a big, like, and I don't even know if this is one where you replace it with one guy, but our guy, Jordan, our resident Vol, was saying that squirrel white uh, is the best option to be that guy, the guy that fills in where those last couple have left off. Hot take here. A healthy Cedric Tillman is tougher to replace than Jalen Hyatt. Mm -hmm. Just because the way Tennessee uses the slot, I, I think you're, that makes sense that Squirrel White is is the replacement there. I, I thought when healthy Tillman was really a matchup problem on the outside for them, and Hyatt, you know, in, in the slot is is pretty is kind of repla replaceable. And that's not to say that like that Tillman's not replaceable, right? I mean, they they have some dudes in the system who were pretty good recruits who who fit that mold, right? Uh, Jordan mentioned Brew McCoy in the chat. Rumel Keaton's a guy out of Atlanta who I, I got to see a lot as recruit, you know, big hands, big bodied guy, could do some of the stuff that Tillman did. That that makes sense. Um, all right, how are you feeling about about TCU and Will Anderson? Or excuse me, uh, and, and Quentin Johnson. Quentin Johnston. Yeah. That to me, I think so. Like at Tennessee, I mean, you look at the track record, you look at some of the guys they've had there already. I don't think you're too concerned. Do you keep up that caliber? But TCU is like one of those teams I think is going to be very interesting this year. Like, is there a massive drop off? from the playoff team that we saw last year. We saw first-round talent, Quentin Johnston. We saw Max Duggan leaving. You got uh, Garrett Riley gone. They've got a lot of, of holes they need to fill, but I think the biggest might be Quentin Johnston. Just from a size and mismatch um, standpoint, who they have step up into that role, I think is going to be a big um, you know, question mark and you know something that obviously Chandler Morris as a projected starter is going to want to see step into that role and they got a couple transfer portal guys and JP Richardson and Jojo Earl that possibly could do it. But I think this could be a void that they they'll struggle 
more so than Tennessee to replace Hyatt. I'll be interested to see how TCU uh, utilizes the, the slot position, right? You, you mentioned JoJo Earl, like could play that on some of that choice stuff that, that Browse is going to want to run there as TCU's OC. Because remember, if you're watching at home and you really haven't paid attention to the offseason, they lost TCU lost Garrett Riley to Clemson, so they went and took Arkansas's coordinator Kendall Browse. The dude who looks like Quentin Johnston, like not saying he is him. Clearly, he has not been him so far in his college career. Is a guy named Savion Williams. So, like six four, six five, two fifteen ish with nice long speed. He just has not put it together quite yet. Maybe they find a way to get him unlocked. If they can, then maybe then the drop off is not 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 saying it's zero, but maybe there, there's a smaller drop off than than we maybe could anticipate. That that's a fascinating room to watch, man. Like they lost not a lot of like top, you know, top first round picks, not a lot of top you know, fifty picks, but they lost a boatload of like future pros off that team to the draft. And that, yeah, I think it validated what we said. Like that team had clearly quit on Gary Patterson in twenty twenty one, and there was talent there. That's why I think the whole show liked them last year. None of us pretty go to the playoff, but you know that was something we were on. And I'm curious to see how, how they can step up. That, that'd be fascinating. Uh, The other one, and it's again, back to Alabama, because I I think I've been probably more critical of Bama saying, hey, the dynasty is coming to a close. It's going to their run of dominance, right? It already looks like it's shifted to Georgia. I mean, I'm not stating anything really like too much of a hot take, but when you lose, you know, one of the best players on the offense side of the ball and you lose one of the best players in the defensive side of the ball. Um, there's going to be question marks there. And I think it's what's going to be really interesting is Kevin Steele taking over this defense. I think the production will come from Dallas Turner, but I wonder like where they play him. Do they move him to the Jack position where Will Anderson Jr. was? Do they keep him at the other side? You know, I, I'm curious to see what Kevin Steele does uh, with Dallas Turner. No doubt. I, I, I think teams will try to focus on Dallas Turner a lot. And, and Turner was a guy... I know we're all rooting for 24-7 sports because I think we were the industry high guy on him. Andrew Ivins and I saw him at that Under Armour camp down there in Miami by, by your house. And uh, we're like, ooh, okay, basketball guy that, that already has this amount of football polish. This this can work. Um, Chris Braswell, is, if, if teams really give – if Dallas Turner gets the Will Anderson treatment, Chris Braswell's a guy. He was a five-star a couple years back, has had some production – you know, if he's healthy, feeling good, neither Turner nor him played in their spring game. Uh, but I think he's the guy who's going to have to step up for Alabama if Turner gets the the full-on Will Anderson treatment. Turner benefited from Anderson getting the the, the full-on Will Anderson treatment, right, th- this year. And I feel like that Kevin Steele's pretty good at getting matchups, man. So I, I'm, I'm interested to see that. I'm not – I can't believe I'm going to say this. I'm not as worried – about them as maybe I should be at the defensive end spot just because they have recruited it well and that we know Turner's at least a good player. Mm-hmm. It's it's gonna be interesting now. Yeah. Do we uh, have two breaks got? today? What's that? One. Do we have two breaks today or just one? I think just I don't one. Know. Right. Jordan hit us in the trap. Oh, we got two. Oh, we have two right here before we get All right, to we'll take, take a quick break and then we'll run through one of mine and then you got to pop, right? Yep. All right. 
Spring training is in full swing and fantasy baseball draft season is upon us. That means you need to join us on Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every Monday through Saturday for six pods per week throughout the month of March. We'll break down the latest news, spring training updates, players to target, and much more in just five minutes. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. This is Sandra Herrera from Attacking Third, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Golazo Network dedicated to all things women's soccer. With the NWSL expanding to 14 teams, the 2024 season promises to be bigger and better than ever, and Attacking Third will be along for the ride from start to finish. Before that, though, we'll be all over the CONCACAF W Gold Cup, where the U.S. women's national team is looking to clinch silverware on home soil. We'll also be keeping tabs on the winter transfer window, the Women's Super League, the UEFA Women's Champions League, and elsewhere. Coming to you multiple times a week with game previews, recaps, analysis, breaking news, exclusive interviews, and more, Attacking Third is your one-stop shop for the best coverage of the women's game. Download, follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Make sure you subscribe to Attacking Third. All right, so we are back here on the Coverage Podcast. Tom is playing hooky. Chip was scared to death if you go back scroller earlier in the show and never jump back on. A couple names here that I think are a little under the radar, but but interesting to me. So Iowa lost Jack Campbell to the first round of the NFL draft. We can talk about how that's not a good pick because linebackers are fairly cheap in free agency and using a first round pick on one. Okay, but guy was a really good college football player and and the best dropper as far as like dropping into 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 throwing throwing lanes and, and and like the best zone linebacker in the country probably by far and i was kind of a developmental program from the inside and i thought it was really fascinating that they went out and they got nick jackson from virginia to come in and take his spot even though he's not in for spring he's a summer enrollee and the guy's been an all acc player a really underrated dude for UVA, I, I just think that speaks volumes about the job that Nick Jackson did at Virginia and the quality of player that Iowa thinks thinks he is, man. I mean, for them to go and be comfortable, because that's a defense that, that I mean, they they can run a lot of scheme there at Iowa, and you got to be really good at that stuff. For, for them to have the confidence in him to come in and just insert himself this fall, that's a big challenge. And don't you think that says something that they took a transfer there? Yeah. A summer transfer? Yeah. Coming in late, not having up to speed. Not only Jack Kim, they had four players off that defense. Uh, was it four off the defense or was it four total? They had three. It was Van Ness, Riley yeah, Moss. Laporta. Okay, so it was four total. Yeah. Um, like, but if there's a program that you kind of trust in the development side, it is Iowa. But as you mentioned, this one coming late to the game, you know, at an important position. That'll be interesting to see how it pans out. It really will. They also lost a a pretty valuable like backup corner to the hurricanes but i think they'll be okay at corner they, they, they have they got a lot of good players in that system and, and he wasn't he wasn't a starter for a reason all right uh zay flowers i think is is pretty interesting here so he had a, a tremendous year for boston college um only thing here boston college again went to the transfer portal it took ryan o'keefe from ucf i don't think ryan o'keefe is as good of a player as zay flowers is but from a pure speed perspective, he, he might actually be faster, dude. I mean, he had one of the fastest 100-meter times out there in the nation. The guy, if you watch any UCF, he's clearly got a whole lot of juice. 
and I, I feel bad for Boston College because they just felt like they couldn't time it up right so far in Halfley's tenure. Like they, you know, when, when their line was healthy, Jerkovic got hurt. And then last year they lost, I mean, everybody got hurt on the O line. They were having to play defensive linemen middle of the season on the offensive side of the ball. And now they lose Flowers. But like maybe Mike O'Keefe can kind of help stop the bleeding a little bit. I don't know. But to ask him to be even remotely close to what Zay Flowers was and is. And that's a massive gap that I think you're going to see. And I, Halfley was somebody I liked a lot when he was hired there. I think he is a good fit for the, you know, for the program, but it's just a really hard place to win. You know, it really is. It I hope is. they're patient with him because what are we going into year three and year one? I thought you saw some pretty good like signs and it was a pretty bad setback last year, but I still like him at BC in general. I think there's a, I know you got to go, Quickly here, I wonder if there's like a market inefficiency to looking at what coaches did and then saying, hey, if this one thing goes differently, the outcome here is probably different. Let's give this guy a second chance. So, for instance, if Florida doesn't fumble, if, if their DB doesn't fumble, right, on, on that that uh, that pick they made against Alabama in the SC title game, they yeah. might win that. And like that Florida team probably could have won it. If they got in, given that Bama mm-hmm. was was like probably the biggest obstacle there. So mm-hmm. like, and you look at some of these guys who got drafted off Florida, like that's potentially one where and Mullen was not a good recruiter and he didn't I don't think he held his, his staff to a high recruiting standard. But like that's maybe a staff that could have recruited better if they had a lot of wins under their belt. Like Dan Mullen recruiting right. the national championship. Maybe that gives them <laughs> enough juice. What about the timing, too, of NIL? Like, sure. If it, because I mean, that was the one thing you heard that Dan Mullen, you know, didn't love hitting the grind. I mean, if it's just straight trans- transactional, I mean, we've seen their willingness to embrace, it hasn't been a success yet, but there's going to be some money to spend. You know, right. if you could have timed that up and, you know, given him the resources and he, he could have, you know, sort of a normal life or somewhat normal. I think it, I, I still think Dan Mullen got a bad shake. I, I mean, and I'm sure Florida fans might be wondering at this point, like, hey, did we did we make a mistake? And we'll see, because I like the Billy Napier hire too. But man, they had something pretty good in Dan Mullen. Yeah, I, I think they did. And I, I wonder it's also just and maybe he would have left anyway. Like eventually maybe he was gonna bolt after a great year to the NFL potentially, too. You also have the Kirby Smart comparison problem here. I mean, mm-hmm. there, there's probably been a lot of guys in the SEC West who were like, We're damn good coaches, and I just had to be in the same division as Saban for, when, when Saban was running. At his best, so you know. Uh, all right, last, last. Actually, I, I have two. Uh, we'll go, we'll go with Dalton Kincaid. So, kid, we talked about a lot. He was one ninety in high school. Played one year of, of high school football because his buddies begged him to come out. Goes to UC, goes to San Diego, not San Diego State, but FCS San Diego. Walks on, hits the weights, goes from one ninety to two forty, which that's a nice little transformation there. Transfers to Utah, kills USC multiple times. Blah blah blah. He really was not there like top tight end by some people's estimation coming into the year. This guy named Brent Keithy was, and he mm-hmm. got hurt, I remember, in the Arizona State game. So I think Utah might actually be in a pretty good spot to replace Kincaid because Keithy can play, man. And I'm I'm fascinated to see if they can go like like back, probably not first round pick, but another NFL guy behind Kincaid, because he was starting for a reason. 
He, I, I had talked, I had just talked to somebody about this and saying that Keithy was a better tight end, maybe not the better yeah. potential upside, which is what you know the NFL is looking for now, and uh, it just adds to the intrigue of that Pac-12, which is absolutely stacked at the top. No doubt about it. Do you got to jump? Yeah, I got to bail. All right, I'll go through. Take us home. All right, we'll we'll do a couple couple more here, and I will see you uh, tomorrow. Or no, you're out tomorrow, right? All right, so it's just me here. Uh, We'll maybe go to like 11.55. We'll take a question or two from the chat. Uh, All right, last guy for me is Deontay Banks. Deontay Banks, who wasn't really considered the better corner on Maryland last year uh, entering the season because he got hurt in 2021. I got to give a lot of credit to Brian Williams, man. Like I, I was skeptical of Maryland's defense entering last year. And I was totally wrong. They, they proved me wrong. And I, I think the job he has done coordinating that defense has been, been pretty spectacular. So I'm, I'm impressed there with what he's doing. And they lose a big time corner, Deontay Banks, a guy who I was a, a big fan of. I, I bet and lost uh, at really long odds that he would be the top corner taken. And you know, obviously Witherspoon went, went fifth, but I, I think I'd fire again, you know, getting over 100 to one there. So, I mean, how do they replace him? Uh, now, I know Chris Hummer has nominated Jaquan Shepard. I think that's probably a pretty savvy move by him. Shepard was first team All American Conference for Cincinnati. That's a guy that Luke Fickle would have recruited. They like to play a lot of bump coverage there at Maryland. He's a guy who can get up and be physical, just like Banks was. That'll be a pretty important dude to replace. And, People might be like, all right, you're talking about Maryland's corner replacement. That's not really great for ratings. But I know if you guys are sickos like me and you're watching in the 50th minute of a college football show in the first week in May, you're probably a sicko too. So appreciate you guys checking us out here. Uh, Bud, are the lunch break pods coming back this year? Are the Bud Sunday bets coming back this year? Bud Sunday bets, definitely not. Uh, If you're on my um, little email list, you know, check that out. Uh, let me see. Are lunch break pods coming back this year? I would say yes, probably, but not every Tuesday. But there will be some Tuesdays where we have a, a topic that is just let's just totally nerd out on this thing, and we will will endeavor to do that. Um, yeah, I'm 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 definitely down. Uh, Chips picks, by the way, were Jalen Carter. I think they're pretty well equipped to handle Jalen Carter. At Georgia, uh, leaving, probably going to need more from Michael Michael Williams on the outside. But losing Bear Alexander, I think, like, hurts a little bit. But I'm just not worried about Georgia because they recruit such high-level athletes. And I know Zion Logue can play. So if Zion Logue is like your guy who has to play some, he's like a fifth-year dude. That's a grown man playing for them. Um, all right. Darnell Wright. I know we had a lot of, lot of George. You want to just jump on the show and tell us about Darnell Wright, and then who's going to replace him? Can we, can we get in? Or, or are you? Um, does is Jordan dressed to jump to jump on the show? Let's see. This is a surprise. I, I did not anticipate that we were going to be down to one guy here. Where are we at? Jordan says no. Okay, uh, not jumping on. Not not that he's not dressed. Unsure about that part. So uh, he says I am dressed. All right. <laughs> okay. So uh, Darnell Wright. They did take Campbell. From uh, from Miami, the the transfer, I guess he could play there. I, losing Darnell Wright is a fairly big deal. I was always a pretty big Gerald Mincy fan, and some people gave me some crap when he transferred from Florida. But I was like, this guy moves pretty well for being a, a heavier body, and he's a year younger than grade level. 
So let's just see if he can grow into that body and, and maybe mature a little bit as a player. Um, yeah, we'll we'll see. Uh, Max Rabkin in the chat says, uh, to your Savion Williams TCU point, they also snagged uh, Dylan Wright to play the Z. Uh, sneaky under radar pick to be QJ's replacement. Yeah, Max, I, I think that's that's a great point as well. I, I mean, you got to remember, I think there's signal in coaching decisions, and they don't always make the right ones. I mean, Utah picked the wrong guy clearly to start last year, and they had to put in uh, the backup who ended up being really good. But this staff started Morris over Duggan last year at Colorado and played him for a couple quarters until they needed Duggan to run around because that offensive line, which is going to have a couple draft picks, in, was struggling at the time in their game at Colorado. Um, so maybe maybe that guy actually can play quite a bit, and I think he's an accurate thrower. Can he, can he lay that deep ball out there, that just kind of nice loopy pass that that, that uh, veer-and-shoot offense calls for you can check that breakout video i think on our youtube channel if you want the explanation of sort of why that thing is is so hard to defend um gonzalez at oregon is a really good choice i think i didn't have him on my sheet so i didn't really look into who is replacing him i can pull up to see who they have this is great podcasting here i do keep my depth charts up during the show just because i think you kind of have to um, one interesting name to watch there, I will say, is Kyrie Jackson, the guy they um, uh, the guy they took from Alabama. He was a junior college guy who went to Alabama, didn't win the starting job. That's okay. Bama's really loaded at corner yet again. They have some safeties to replace, but they're, they're pretty damn good at corner. So they took Kyrie Jackson in the transfer portal. That's a guy who I think Dan Lanning would have been uh, familiar with recruiting because he was at. Georgia, I got the timeline right here, when Georgia would have been evaluating Kyrie Jackson. Not that the Georgia took him or even offered him, but a guy like that, that uh, uh, that, Georgia, that Alabama takes at corner, like you know a staff like Georgia is at least going to be looking at, right? Uh, Bijan and Roshan Johnson at Texas, I think that's a really, really good one. The the name off the top of my head is, is Cedric Baxter, who I think is a... a a stud in the making, uh, but they also got some other dudes like Jonathan Brooks is a guy who they were pretty happy about in spring. So you, you look at Brooks, you look at Cedric Baxter. That's tough, man. I, I that's a lot to lose to the draft, but I'm kind of not that worried about Texas running back. They're just I, I think that they'll be so much better up front that the loss of running back will be offset by the better blocking up front, most likely. All right, 11.55 on my watch. So, guys, really appreciate y'all watching. Make sure you hit that like and subscribe button. Jordan, we are up to... How many summer school episodes do we have scheduled? Let's take a look. 64 minus 20. We're at 44, man. That is fantastic, and I know we have a bunch more coming. Uh, yeah, so if, you're, if you want summer school, it is coming. We will start dropping summer school... I think the third week in May, and I'm, I'm really excited about that. So, cool. Appreciate it, and we will see you all tomorrow for Mailbag.
It's the most wonderful time of the year. Fantasy baseball draft season is upon us, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, six times per week throughout March. Sleepers, breakouts, busts, live mock drafts, spring training updates, and everything in between every Monday through Saturday. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.